Amen. Sometimes we just need to be reminded, you know what, that we're the sons and the daughters of the Lord. Amen. I mean, we just need to be reminded that we are co-heirs with Christ, that we have been brought into the family of God by the blood of Christ. And we just need to be reminded of that. You know, in, in this series, we're talking about community. And, and, I, and I hope that you guys understand as we're walking through this and talking through this, we're not just talking about a geographical place. But it's the body of Christ coming together. It's the, it's the, the community of Christ coming together as well. You know, this morning we've got some of our, some special guests here. We had a, a ladies conference here yesterday, a women's conference here yesterday. And our, uh, our worship team is here. We appreciate you guys coming and leading worship. And, uh, they did an awesome job. And again, we're family. You know, this is, this is family here. So having them back was awesome. But being able to share in the things of God, the kingdom of God, God allows us to be a part of that. And so today we've got a special guest speaker, uh, Pastor Dwayne Rembert. And uh, he's going to come up. Come on up, Pastor Dwayne. And he is the uh, lead pastor at Flatline Community uh, Church in Chisholm. And so anyway, I'm going to turn it over to him. But man, I'm so glad to have you here, brother. Yes, sir. And uh, glad that we are brothers in Christ and get to share in the kingdom of God. So uh, God has put a great word on Dwayne's heart. And if you guys would, uh, just give him a good listen. Love you, buddy. All right. Love you too, brother. How y'all doing, Journey? Yeah! This is, a, this is an awesome church. <laughs> yes, I am so thankful to be here again. This morning was awesome. A lot of love here. I love what the Lord is doing with this uh, church here in the River Region. So, uh, man, y'all in a good place. I thank God for uh, Journey Church being a partner with us, uh, just helping us out, uh, you know, uh, as we minister in Montgomery and all over. Uh, I was sharing a story this morning, uh, the first time I met Pastor Mike, uh, we met, and it's so amazing, we met on a Wednesday, and Saturday we had the keys to a food bus. Like, uh I was sharing my heart, he, and you know, he was pretty blunt. Tell him about the church. And I began to just share the mission and the vision of what God is have, having us doing to children, and he couldn't even let me finish. He was like, nah, I know God, is, Holy Spirit is leading us to uh, help out uh, in that capacity, and uh, I was just so, so grateful. As, as I shared this morning, uh, I am here with a heavy heart because yesterday, uh, in the same children community, walking distance from the church, uh, we laid to rest. A six-month-old baby who was murdered, who was, who was beat to death. Uh, so uh, be praying for the family, the victim side, as well as the um, uh, well as the perpetrator. But the good news is uh, they're supposed to show up to church today. At two. Our church services are 2.30 to 4 p.m. So we have people in place to, to go pick them up today. So uh, be in prayer for that family. Um, and it just, you know, just a senseless act of violence. I mean, we, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principality, wickedness, and powers in high places. So, uh, be on the lookout for that. But again, I just want to thank God uh, for you all allowing us to come and share today. Me and my beautiful bride and our children is back in the nursery. 17 years. I call her my bride. I don't spill on my honeymoon. And I know I married, I married way up. I think that's why I go so hard for Jesus now, because he, I mean, I get to wake up to that every morning. I got to serve him. So, <laughs> amen. Uh, but I love, uh, 
the fact that you guys are being intentional uh, in regards to uh, community because um, that is so vital right now in the body of Christ, so needed, and Scripture commands that we do it anyway, you know. So I think the Lord sent me here today to share uh, share with you all to uh, so he can encourage us, you know, and challenge us in, in that regard as far as community, not just the community within the context of the church, but the community as far as uh, God telling us, in, like he tells us in Acts 1-8, he said, I will give you a power to uh, go and be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Prattville is Jerusalem, you know, in Judea, that means the state, in Samaria, Samaria means witnessing and loving on somebody who don't look like you, not from your background, not from your context, into the outermost parts of the world. So God definitely want to challenge us uh, in that area. Uh, like Pastor said, I am the lead pastor for a flatline church in Chisholm and Flatline. I know you're like, man, that's an edgy name. Some people tell me that's demonic. You know, like, <laughs> but flatline is derived from Romans chapter 6, verse 11. And that scripture, that scripture reads, it says, I, I reckon you to be dead to sin but alive to God through Christ Jesus. So in order to live, you got to die. you got to die moment by moment by moment by moment. you got to die to the deeds of your flesh. We can't serve in our flesh. We can't serve people because you look down on them. You know what I'm saying? So you have to die to your perception. You have to die to anything that don't line up with the Word of God in order to bring God glory and honor to what he do. Die to attitudes, die to cussing, die to, die to anything that does not glorify Jesus. You know, so it's not a, it's a daily thing, but it's a moment by moment. Die to yourself, pick up your cross, and follow Jesus. Galatians makes it very clear that the flesh wars against the spirit, right? So there's a part of you that don't like God, and there's a part of you that love God. If you say, if you ain't saved, you only got one part. That's the part that don't like Jesus. Well, probably before we leave here today, you'll be on the Lord's side. Um, so... Uh, I'm 44 years old, did not hear the gospel until I was 26 years old, February 3rd, 2002, at 11.17 a.m. It's the first time I've ever heard the gospel, and I grew up here in Alabama. Grew up in a small town uh, out west, toward West Alabama. You know, uh, raised by my grandmother, you know, uh, there was no dad in the picture, and all of my uncles, unfortunately, was under the bondage of alcohol. So there was no man in the picture. And the devil knows the Bible better than we know the Bible. He's, 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 the, the scripture is very clear. He said, fathers, don't neglect your child to wrath. See, the devil knows if he can just pull the dad out the home, I can create a bunch of angry children. And then, matter of fact, you can be in the home and neglect your child and have angry children. If you're, you're in the house and that child angry, you probably be probably neglecting that child. You know, but the devil knew that. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, there was no dad. So, and my grandmother used to take me to church. And she took me all the way up until the time until I was around 12 years old. And, but even in that time that we went, I mean, I didn't understand the gospel. I mean, I, I don't remember even hearing the gospel. I didn't, it was like a show, you know. Uh, and then she, her health began to fail. And she stopped going to church. And I stopped going to church. And guess what? The church didn't reach out to find out, hey, what's going on with that little boy, you know. So, and I mean, it was just, it was rough, you know, but I thank God for, even today, you know, I thank God for uh, the, the negative that I wouldn't change nothing, you know, because I was sharing earlier, if your car is outside and your battery is dead and I bring you a battery cable with two positives, that's not going to give that car, that battery, no power. You need the negative and you need the positive in order to get resurrection power. So... 
uh, we need Friday evening and we need Sunday morning. You know, so I don't, you take the good with the bad. God tells us in Romans chapter 8 verse 28. He said, I will cause, I will cause, I will cause, I will cause all things to work out for the good of those that love the Lord and call it according to his purpose. So I thank God for everything that he's taken me through on this journey to salvation. Amen. I had to throw that plug up in there. <laughs> and with a name like journey, y'all gotta go. Matthew 28 should be y'all favorite scripture. When they say go into the world, and preach the gospel and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And then teach them what it is God has taught you. Forever, Jesus said, don't worry about it because I'm with you to the end of the age. That means to the end of your age. <laughs> he said he's going to be with you. So this church is by God. I know just based on your name, you're called to go into the community. So, uh, uh, but uh, back to my story. Um, like I said, um. Uh, no dad, and when my grandma stopped going to church at 12 years old, and you can imagine when there's no Jesus, there's a lot of devils. You know what I'm saying? So I was doing everything that you can pretty much name and think of it. You know, uh, but the thing about it, uh, I knew church people, because I didn't know the term Christian until I was 26 now. I'm in Alabama. I knew church people, but they weren't nice. You know what I'm saying? They was not nice. The first experience that I had with a, that I can remember with a, with a lady that's outside of the church. When she told me, she said, boy, get them earrings out your ear. Pull your pants up. You going to hell. Now, she was telling the truth. But the thing is, she didn't tell me how to get to heaven. She left it there. You know, and then a couple of weeks later, now I'm 16, I remember this, right? A couple of weeks later, because mind you, there's no dad. All my uncles are, I mean, I, I see them stagger more time on my hand, my whole ten hand, my whole life that I saw them just walk a straight line. So so I'm hanging out with the guys I don't supposed to hang out. I'm hanging out with the drug dealer because they buy me food, they buy me clothes, you know, uh there were times days where I went fifteen days without even eating. You know, I hated the summer because I knew I wasn't gonna eat. You know, if I go to school on Tuesday, I know I'm not getting a meal again on Wednesday. You know, there were times I didn't take a shower until I was nineteen years old. You know, we didn't have running water. So I was very, very angry. A lot of questions. You know, and see, that's how the devil works on a, a lot of this stuff. You see all these shootings and going on, these angry people. They're angry because Satan started off about pulling the dad out of the house. And I remember just having a lot of questions. And I can't ask my grandma. I have nobody else to ask. My body changed and all kind of stuff. So now I'm disappointed. Then that disappointment turns into resentment. Then that resentment turns into bitterness. Then that bitterness turns into anger. Then that anger turns into violence. But if we can go back and, 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 and do what the scripture actually says, Jesus tells us, especially Christian men, he said, I'll, he said, I'll be a father to the fatherless. Like God just need a body. So as you see me with my grandma all the time, and I might be smiling because I was a master at covering up my pain. You know, but there's never a man around. So I don't care how much I'm smiling, I'm not okay. And how often do we see children, especially young men, just with their mom or their grandma or their auntie all the time, and you don't find out what's going on with them. I remember standing around men hoping they would ask, how we doing at the house? I know we ain't got no running water. I know we ain't got no food. And I remember standing around them, hope they were saying something. They would ask me about, man, how you doing? And I remember after doing that so many times, so I said, forget them. And I was cussing. I ain't said forget them. I said other stuff. I won't say. 
forget that I don't need it. I don't need it. And I harden my heart to why I don't, didn't need it. You know, they don't, don't nobody care. Even these church dudes. You know. So, then that's when all, all the other stuff, I just, just got into all kinds of stuff. So anyway, I had this experience with, 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 with this lady who was telling me to pull my pants up. You're going to hell. Then I'm hanging out with the, uh, the, the other guys and I'm at a gambling house, right? This is a couple weeks later. And Sunday afternoon, in walks the preacher with his suit on and everything, cussing. Man, them black, black, black people getting on my nerve down there, man. Deal me in. Give me a Jack and Coke. And I remember being as a 16-year-old little young boy with an impressionable mind thinking like, man, I don't want to have nothing to do with church or religion based on what I saw that day. And the danger about that, I ain't tell nobody. You know, I just kept it to myself. Then I get to school the next week. I'm in the hallway uh, with two of my friends and one, one of them, their mom works in the cafeteria. The other one, his mom uh, is a substitute teacher. And it's a small town, so everybody know my situation. They know my mom kind of in and out of the street. They know there's no dad. They know all my uncles. So that I already believed that I wasn't going to be anything. I, I believed it. But the way I was living, I'd be dead by the time I was 21. No one talked to me about ACT, SAT, none of that. So I had no idea about what none of that stuff was. And I remember this administrator. I mean, this couple of weeks now, I'm 16 years old. This administrator come up in the hallway. He began to talk to my friend on the right about getting his stuff ready to go to college in Huntsville. Skipped over me and began to talk to the other guy about getting his stuff ready for the military. And what he did at that very moment by ignoring me, it's like he stuck a dagger in my heart and just twisted it. Because everything I thought about myself, he confirmed it by ignoring me. And that's, my, that's when my rebellion really started. I started stealing out of stores, doing all kinds of stuff, really getting heavy into drugs, stealing cars, I mean anything. I, like, I didn't, no one else cares about how I live, so why should I care? You know? And that's what happened to a lot of guys around here in Montgomery and Prattville. You see, they got the same story. Because I'm the only one really telling man, but I got 10 more dudes that got the same story that I got. You know, God just giving me a platform where I can actually share for his glory. So, by the grace of God, and I didn't even know what grace of God was, but I, I graduated high school. You know, and I don't know how because I didn't pass any math classes. <laughs> now, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I guess they just want to be out of there. I don't know. You know, but but remember, I don't know what to do, and I'm full of pride, I'm full of self-righteousness, and, and all this other stuff, because I'm unsaved. You don't know anything else, you know, so uh, I remember hanging out at my grandmother's house just so people can think that I've gone somewhere, so they can think that I've gone to college or military or somewhere, you know, even though I had no one to help me, right? And uh, after about eight months of doing that, I just got too bored. I just could not take it. And I started back hanging with the guys that I was hanging with. And then there was a drug bus. I supposed to have been there, but I wasn't there at that time. So uh, I don't know if y'all ever seen that movie, God's Not Dead 2, at the end when the grandmother, uh, the Holy Spirit actually takes over her and she began to minister to her son. And then she just kind of flipped back out like that literally happened to me. My grandmother, I, I believe the Holy Spirit took over her. She said, Wayne, you got to get out of here. In about, I said, three to five more days, a distant cousin of mine came and picked me up, and that's how I ended up in Montgomery. You know, so I knew that I got to succeed because I have nothing to go back to. Like, this is my shot, you know. But I'm doing it. I don't know Jesus, so I'm doing this on my own self-will, you know. I'm doing it just so I can prove to folks that I can make something out of my life. I don't need your help because I'm an angry young man. 
So I get to Montgomery. I get the job at a hotel cleaning the floors from 8 to 11. I get a job at Wendy's, and then I enrolled in Troy State University down, downtown. So my cousin, he did sh- do that for me, you know. Uh, and, and, and as I'm there, I went from cleaning the floor all the way up to the front executive office to sales manager. So now I'm sales manager, and my boss at the time, she's director sales. She's a church lady. Again, I don't know the term Christian. She's a church lady, but she's nice. I'm like, man, this is sad. I don't, I, like to me, church people wasn't nice. They were just, just telling me what I need to do right. I mean, wrong, or else I'm going to hell. But she kept inviting me to go to church. And I didn't, I liked my job, so I didn't tell her why I didn't want to go to church. I don't I even deal with that, because I like my job. I'm making pretty good money as a young person. And then, but the word got around that she's getting ready to get promoted, right? She's getting ready to get promoted to general manager. And the general manager getting ready to be promoted to regional manager, and I want that director sales position. So, hey, I come up with a plan. So I tell you what, next time she invite me to go to church, I'm going to go. <laughs> yeah. But I won't come into church to, to learn about Jesus. I didn't know who Jesus was. But then, lo and behold, she invited me, and I went, and I heard the gospel. I mean, it was scary. I'm like, man, who is telling this guy all my business? You know? <laughs> And then I'm like, man, is it her? It's like, can't be because I ain't even told her. So uh, I knew I wanted this Jesus that the preacher was talking about. And that was February 3rd, 2002 at 11.17 a.m. I surrendered, repented, and gave my heart to Jesus Christ. Amen. 20, 26 years old. But the way we do ministry at Flatline Church at Chisholm is based on a lot how God used my journey. I'm going to keep plugging you. <laughs> use my journey to come to the Lord some things that was done it was just done out of ignorance ignorance is not a bad word ignorance means you just don't know no better stupidity means you doing what you know it wrong you still keep doing it out of ignorance so I, I'm 26 years old I get saved I just get the right hand of fellowship I don't get a Bible or anything like that you know so I didn't know so um, uh, I come back home and go back to work and let, let me tell you another confession I hated white people oh Lord I hated white people. The music that I was listening to told me that the white man was the devil. The shows that I was watching, the urban movies and stuff, they told me that the white man was the devil. And uh, the dudes on the block told me that the white man is the devil. But now I'm saved. And, like, something going on in my heart is like, man, I don't hate white people. I don't know how to process this. You know, like, (laughs) you know, this is weird. You know, who would I tell? Like, I know I used to, I mean, my wife used to be scared to ride, well, she was my girlfriend at the time. She was scared to go place with me because I was waiting for a revolution to pop off anytime. Like, if you look at me wrong, I'll chase you down the boulevard and want to know what you're looking at. Like, I wanted to start a fight. But I was so angry. Mind you, now, no dad, and just that, that process had made it to that stage, right? So, but now I'm saved, you know, so I'm back at work. It's Tuesday and Wednesday, so I'm back at work. And see, God got a sense of humor. He knows. He know. So it was my job at the time at the sales manager. I walked in the lobby and I said, okay, how's everything? Y'all been to the hotel. How's everything good? Everything was good with your room last night? You were like, oh, yeah, everything was good. You probably need to fix that closet. I will take that down, take it back to my maintenance man, and we will fix your closet. But this particular morning, I see this white guy over in the corner with his Bible open, right? So um, I go over, do my business. He tell me everything was good. And then I tell him, now I'm going to get my own personal stuff in. I said, well, sir, I just want to let you know. That uh, Sunday, I became a believer. 
I'm 44 years old, and this happened when I was 26. It's like it happened yesterday. It's like he did in slow motion. He gently closed his Bible. He stood up. Then he hugged me. And when he hugged me, it's this weight that just left me. It felt like Jesus was hugging me. So how I thought that I didn't need a hug, because I, had, I thought I had convinced myself, and I don't need it. Because I've been, I remember standing around hoping somebody would do it. And when they didn't do it after so while, this is how I cope with it. I bottle it up. So I thought I got rid of it, but no, it was just suppressed. But the, the Bible said love covers a multitude of sins. So when he hugged me, that weight left. And he don't know. I've never been hugged by a man before. So he left. It was about 7.30. He came back. Knocked on my window at 10.30. You can see my office from the lobby. I didn't tell him I didn't have a Bible. But he brought me a Bible back. And it's this Bible. <laughs> yeah. Now, it's, it's marked up. But, and, it, and it's falling apart. But listen, when your Bible falls apart, that means your life probably isn't. If your life, if your Bible together, your life probably... So again, out of ignorance, he brought me the Bible back. I went back to my desk. I still didn't know what to do with it. So I remember opening it from the beginning and seeing how the Bible was created and where it came from. And I got bored with that. So then I just opened it. Right? And it went to Ephesians chapter 6 verse 19. And see, I didn't know Paul and none of this other stuff then. When I read this, it was like God was talking to me like the, the page, the words jumped off this book into my heart. And Ephesians chapter 6 verse 19 says, As for me, see I was thinking that as me, as for me, that I may be given utterance, that I may boldly open my mouth and proclaim the mystery of the gospel. That's the first scripture I knew. And at that very moment I knew that God was going to use my mouth to bring him glory. Because Satan was, he was using it. I've been had a gift, I didn't know. But Satan was using it. So God would let me know right then, I'm going to use your mouth. Then I learned John 3.16 and Romans 8.28 and all that other stuff later. But that was the first scripture that God taught me out of, his, out of, out of the Holy Word of God. And uh, I, I, I ended up getting a job. Amen. <laughs> I got the job that I wanted to direct the sales. And not only that, I got to direct the sales. And then I got, became assistant uh, general manager. Then I became general manager. So uh, 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 I ended up opening that hotel and... Uh, Three more hotels here in Montgomery, Hilton Hotels. So, uh, but during the, in, in the midst of that, I started working on a lot of athletes in the schools and doing Bible studies and the coaches calling me out to the school. And it got to a point where uh, I knew I was either going to stop going to these schools during the day or I was going to have to uh, quit my job. And they don't pay you to run a $13 million hotel. You come in at 7, you leave at 7. Uh, we don't want you all over the place. So I knew what God wanted. I just wasn't ready to accept it. You know, so uh, one day I'm riding in my car. I'm in TJ Maxx parking lot. I'll never forget it. I hear the Lord again. He said, read Romans 6.11. Now, if you had said read John 3.16, something like that, I didn't have to grab my Bible. But when he said read Romans 6.11, even though I read Romans many times, Romans 6.11 was not a familiar verse to me. So I'm, I remember reading it. 
reaching in the back seat reading it, and it says, I reckon you to be dead to sin, but alive to God through Christ Jesus. And then I heard the Lord say, I want you to start flatline. I said, oh. Now, I didn't know flatline movement, flatline ministry, anything like that, because it, it evolved to all that. But all I knew was it was designed. What he wanted me to do was to help fatherless African-American young men, whatever that looked like. And then the rappers and the, the chaplains and all this other stuff, it came later. But I remember going home telling my wife, like, uh, sweetie, uh, God told me he wanted me to quit my job <laughs> and start flatline. And I know I got a Proverbs 31 wife. She said, okay. <laughs> but then she said it right here. Changed my life forever. She said, she said, but you know what? I trust God, and I trust that God speaks to you. I said, all right. I said, that's good then, because for the next year, we're going to eat Roman noodles and water, because I, I have no idea how this is going to be funded or anything. I just know the Lord telling me to do it. You know, and uh, praise be to, the Lord, to God, man, we, we did it. And God has taken us from Virginia all the way to Panama City, all the way to Ghana, Africa, just all over the place. And what we do with Flatline Movement, before Flatline Church, uh, Flatline, Flatline Movement is derived of Christian rappers and ch sports chaplains. And we do Bible studies with the, a lot of the athletes all over the city, you know. Um, and then I know, like I said, rappers, like, oh, Lord, wait a minute. Y'all know rappers in the Bible, right? Oh, Lord. Because this ain't heresy. <laughs> rap literally means rhyme and poetry that's what it means like Satan don't create stuff he just perverted real bad right and he's the prince of the airways so the, the, the portion that you see is the portion that he's perverted right rhyme and poetry if you look in the book of Psalms it's a what poetic book right Proverbs is a what poetic book Song of Solomon is a what poetic book Ecclesiastes is a what poetic book the book of Job is a what? Poetic book. And in the book of Psalms, it's rhyming. Now the Bible said David danced out of his clothes. Now I don't know what kind of music he would listen to. The dance out of his clothes. Now this worship team was getting it in up here. But if I don't know, you saw seeing me coming out of my clothes over there. You know what I'm saying? So God will let us know what music they will listen to when we get to heaven. And it's amazing. He don't, even, he don't even deal with that. So God will use whatever tool he want to use to get his, 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 uh, his, his will done. You know what I'm saying? And it's about engaging your culture. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I guarantee you, if you got missionaries and you send a missionary over to India, you would take time to learn that culture, to learn what to say, what not to say, how to deal with this before you go on that mission trip. It's the same way when you're dealing with an urban community. You need to learn the culture so you know what to say, what not to say. I, I was at a uh, function. I was at a function um, a couple weeks ago. One of my guys, uh, he used to steal a lot. I mean, football player. One of the, I ain't going to even call the school, but football player here in Montgomery. I'm one of the strongest guys on the team. Used to steal, used to sell drugs, used to sell crack, used to rob, used to do all this stuff. But radically changed for the Lord. But he recently just got saved. We had a function three weeks ago. And he, and uh, no, it's at Flatline Church. He told me about it. We had Flatline Church. So we feed, our service started at 2.30, we end at 4. 
every day. And this, the reason we do it, we do that because we want to understand the context and the setting that you're in. When I was in the street, when I was out there doing dirt, I don't care how cool the pastor is. I don't care how righteous you say here. Man, I'm just getting in at 5 o'clock in the morning. I am not coming to your church at 9 o'clock in the morning. But if you tell me it's at 2.30, okay, I'll come in, I'll get some sleep, and i get up and I'll come to church. Right? Or, if you, that's one group, but then you got the other group who are really upstanding citizens, who work. But they, this is not a white-collar community, it's a blue-collar community. So most of them work at UPS, the chicken mill, they don't get off at 7 o'clock in the morning. So they're still tired. So the reason we have the service at 2.30 is to, you know, to engage them, to make sure they come, you know. And then we feed them at 4 o'clock because food is a big deal out in that community. It's a poverty-stricken community. You know, 95% of children don't have food to eat on the weekend, you know. So food is a big deal. That's why we feed them at 4 o'clock. So we give them, we offer them what they want to give them what they need, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right? So anyway, so he's serving at this event, right? And a guy, one of the guys, one of the volunteers, just in case y'all come down here, be, just be careful. He came in, he said, boy, would you steal and get that stuff out your pocket? And he didn't tell me about that. I didn't hear that. He called me the next day. And he said, well, I'm glad I'm not weak-minded, weak-minded but that's offensive to me, you know, because he used to steal. You know, so even though in our culture, we're just joking with you, like, man, stop, what you got in your pocket? And he's like, Mr. Dwayne, you know, I, you know I would never steal from the church. I'd never steal from you. You know I don't do that no more. I was like, man, I know that, but he probably don't know that. So sometimes we need to get educated, well, even when we're dealing with people like that. Like certain stuff you just don't want to say because you want to learn the culture, right? I'm like, where was I going with that, Lord? Thank you, girl. All right. <laughs> All right. So... But God can use rap music to, as a tool. Rap music can't save you, but it'll bring you in as a, uh, it'll, 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 it's, it's a, it's a bait. Think about this. Christ tells us to be what? Fishermen of men. Is that what he said? Now, we probably got some fishermen in the house. Matter of fact, I think Pastor somebody, you're a fisherman. He brag about fishing all the time. If you know there's bass in this, in this pond, and that's what you're going. You want to catch you some bass today. Well, you're not going to put bait on your hook for perch because you want to catch bass. So it's about understanding the context, understanding what's in that pond, and that would determine what type of bait you use when you go fishing. And that bait brings them in so Jesus can clean them up. But Jesus used whatever he want to use, right? So when you think about rap music, to, to me, some of it is super disgusting. But the most disgusting thing I can do to you right now, brother, is walk over there and spit in your face. But Jesus used spit for a blind man to see. If you look at John chapter 5, he ran in contact with this man who was born blind from birth. You know, so he, he, he you know, he asked him, did he want to see? He, he, you know, he spit in the ground, you spit, put it on his eye, told him to wash his face, he can go see. So Jesus used whatever he wanted to use for a blind person to see. But sometimes we get caught up in our tradition. And it's like, oh, I ain't messing with that because of what we see. Right? And then if you go over to John chapter 9, there's another instance where a man who was born, who had been laid lame for 38 years. He couldn't walk for 38 years. And then Jesus, uh, uh, went to speak to him and told him to pick up your matter. No, he asked him, do you want to meet me made well? And he started making all excuses why, you know, why he can't get well. Jesus just cut him off. Jesus just, man, pick up your mat and walk. He picked up the mat, walked into the synagogue, modern day church. Right? He walked into the synagogue, church, with his mat, and the Jewish leader said, Hey, man, what you doing carrying your mat? Don't you know it's against our tradition for you to be carrying your mat? 
And the next thing that came out this Jewish leader, preacher, mouth was, who told you to carry your mat? This the moral of that story. He was so busy looking at his tradition, he missed the miracle that this man walking now. And that's the same thing that happened with us. Say, okay, they up here rapping the gospel, rapping the gospel. And you, so you can get caught up on the mat rap that you forget that they saved now. And they talking about Jesus. And they living for Jesus. And they witnessing. And they coming to Bible study. And they praying. And they fasting. They doing the things that Jesus loves to do. So it's about engaging, effectively engaging our community. Acts 1.8 tells us, Jesus says, listen, he said, Terry Hill, because I'm going I'm to I'm make sure y'all have some power, right? What Acts 1.8 says? It says, uh, he said, but you receive power. Now the word power, the, the, the origin word from power is dunamis. And that's where we get the word dynamite. Man, we probably be blowing stuff up when we walk. Because he said we probably be witnesses for him. First in Jerusalem, Prattville, then Judea, State, Alabama. In Samaria, you go into a community that don't look like you and they're not from your, com- that you, from your context. Because you know it was uncommon for Samaritans and Jews to even talk. So even when Jesus told them, go to Samaria, some of them probably like, man, uh-uh, that's the hood. I ain't going over there. Because oh. think about it in John chapter 4 when Jesus was talking to the woman at the well, and you know, y'all know how that ends. If you don't, we'll talk about it a little later. But when the disciple came back, they were like, dang, we can't believe he talked to a woman and she a Samaritan. But wasn't nobody bold enough to say nothing to Jesus about it. Sometimes it's going to be like that with you. You might need to go pick somebody up who don't look like you, bring them to your house, because it's about community. That's what we've been, pastors have been teaching on community. Not just Galatians chapter 6 community where you, you, you deal with your own church family, which is important because you do need to be a part of a community where you can grow, you know, but that's your sociology. Listen, but your theology got to land up with your sociology. Your theology, when Jesus said you to go into the world and witness and share the gospel, that needs to line up with your sociology. You know what I'm saying? Like, your vertical is your theology. Your, your sociology, horizontal, that's your, that, 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 you know, that's your relationship with other people. But see, if you look at it, it makes the cross. So God is challenging us to engage our community for the Lord. Because again, like I said, a lot of my homeboy had this same story. And, and see, when you see these guys out here shooting up Montgomery, shooting up Prattville, and still saying, man, they need to stop doing that. They should have been. What, what's wrong with them? They don't know Jesus. They don't know Jesus because you ain't took them Jesus. That's what's wrong with them. If you don't know the Lord, what you going to do? You're going to act like the devil. You're going to live like the devil. Most of them ain't got no daddies. So they angry. They don't know how to resolve issues without guns because they haven't been taught. So that's why God has called us to be a mission church. Journey is a mission church. That's why your name Journey. Like, Journey. Because <laughs> you're a mission church. Well, we, we did, we've done five outreaches, four, four outreaches before we even did our church launch. And we was on this one street in Chisholm. We had the whole football team. You can Google it. It's on Montgomery Advertising. We had the whole football team from Lee out there. And we, had, we had about 100 volunteers. And it was a guy that lived out in that community. It was a Saturday morning. So we cut about 11 homes. Uh, well, I cut about 11 homes. We served about 11 homes. But in the 11 homes, 
we uh, 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 five things that we, we, we were doing. We made sure we had somebody doing lawn care. We had somebody cleaning the house. We had somebody uh, uh, doing light maintenance work. A lot of the maintenance guys that used to work for me, they came out and did maintenance work. And then we had a couple in each home. Their job was to, like, they were designated just to share the gospel. And, and, and the goal was to have the ministry deed of Jesus and the sharing of the gospel of Jesus Separate, but at the same place at the same time. You know, Revelation 3.20, I think, or 3.15, 3.20, when Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door of your heart, and knock, behold, if you open the door, I'll come in. See, sometimes we knocking on the hearts of people. We knocking, and they looking through that peephole like, Nah, I, don't, I ain't letting you in. Even though you coming with the truth. You know what I'm saying? The Bible says Jesus came full of grace and truth. So first, come with grace, meet a need. Then share the gospel. Because that's what Jesus always did. He met a need, then he shared the gospel. You know, so you don't want to be so intentional about just going around telling them about Jesus, but you're not meeting any needs. And then you also don't want to be passive and just mean needs. Atheists can do that. But then you ain't sharing the gospel. You know, so God is calling us to engage our community effectively and biblically for the Lord. And we'll see change. So back to the street. We're on this street. Guy who lived out there, he said, uh, Pastor Dwayne. He said, man, I've been out here for 20 years, and this is the first Saturday we haven't seen the dope boys on the block looking out for the police. And see, this is the only thing that happened. I didn't even know that was going on. I didn't even know that was, he told me, he said, this is the hottest street in Chisholm where the most drug traffic come in. Now, all we did was took the light into that community, and the roaches scattered. That's all you got to do. Take the light of Jesus. Into the darkness. That's why Christ said, look, he put this light in there. Not just so we can stand up and look like a nice little lamp. Like, no, we got to go. He said, go into all the world. I mean, what did he say? He said, go into some of the world, all the world. Maybe I'm reading it wrong. What did he say? Go into all the world. Preach the gospel. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Then teach them like what God taught you. Like, that's the great commission. Like, that's, like that's, not a, that's not a great suggestion. That's a great commission. You know, so God is challenging us and encouraging us. He encourages us at the end of that verse. He said, don't be scared because I'm going to be with you to the end of the age. But if we don't go, then things ain't going to be fit because, see, too, we put too much trust in the White House. Listen, the White House can't fix it. Until, listen, White House ain't going to get right to the church. I'll get right. And there ain't a law that a man can put in place that's going to fix the human heart. It's the gospel. And who carried the gospel? The church. The, the, the church house should affect the White House. Not the White House trying to fix the problem. We put too much pressure on politicians. And we ain't doing nothing. And I know, listen, I ain't, I ain't cutting up on, because I know y'all doing something. You know what I'm saying? But I'm just saying, as the church as a whole, God is challenging us to do more. Because there's a lot of people out here who just don't know the gospel. Like, I didn't even know stuff like this existed in my teenage years. And those were some dark days. Like, there was no hope for me in my mind. There was no alternative. You know. And then I thought I was going to heaven based on what Tupac was saying. He said, there's a ghetto in heaven. I said, well, I know I'm there. <laughs> That's what Pop told me. That was my preacher. Pac and Biggie was my preachers. And that's what happened when we don't go share the gospel to these guys and these young ladies. 
especially the ones that you know is just like tearing up our city, they got preachers talking to them, but they ain't telling them the gospel. They're they not teaching them what this thus says the word of God. So who got that information? We do. What are we going to do about it from a personal standpoint? You work with folks. You got neighbors. And then, see, the devil will trick you now. Because the, the Bible says, you know, that's why we, t- we talk about flatline, you know, dying to sin. Because, see, fear is a sin, right? Jesus said, I ain't even give you that. that it's that type of fear where if God tells you to go do something, and you say, I'm not going to do it because I'm scared. That's not from the Lord. He said, I didn't give you a spirit of fear, but I gave you a spirit of power, dynamite. You probably blowing stuff up for Jesus. Love, love over, it covers a multitude of sin. In a sound man, you know what's right from wrong. Even when somebody try to come tell you, well, ain't nothing wrong with this. Well, according to the word of God, it is. Or you got to stay this way. According to the word of God, no, you don't. Based on your past, based on, uh, no. There is hope for you. If you got a pulse, you got a chance. All you need to do is accept this gospel, this good gospel. There ain't a message in the universe that's better than the fact that uh, Jesus Christ became a man, left glorious heaven to come to the ghetto earth, the earth is the ghetto to Jesus, compared to what he had going on, to come here for us, live the perfect life even in the midst of it. And say, I came to die. I'm, I'm becoming a man because man owed his debt. So that's why Jesus had to become a man to pay the debt. Took a six-hour beating. And then, the Father loved us so much that he said, I'm going to raise him up. Because I'm going to raise you up. If you put your faith and your trust and all your hope, and what I did through Jesus, my son, by raising him from the dead, then I'll save you and raise you from the dead. I'll change you inside out. New mind, new desires, new heart, new real hope, self-control, meekness, joy, peace. See, the world offer you all this stuff, but they, they sell you wolf tickets. They can't, the world or Satan can't give you joy. The world or Satan can't give you peace. The world of Satan cannot get you to heaven. That only comes through Jesus. That only comes through Jesus. The gospel fixes every crack that's wrong with society. The message of the gospel. So when we refuse to share the gospel, we're partaking in the problem of the world. That's not God's plan. So he wants us to carry this community to that community and to that community. And to that community. They need to know about this Jesus that we serve. And I'm telling you, go back to this. Stop letting the world tell people about who your Jesus is. Because if we don't go and correct that, remember I told you? I thought Christian was mean people who get drunk and gamble and take people money and take advantage of folks. 
until I ran into some real Christians that said, nah, that ain't, that's not, that's not the truth. So it's up to us to carry the truth. Because people, listen, I'm done. The Bible says in John 8, verse 32, he said, you should know the truth. And what's going to make, he said, and the truth should make you what? And not just free, but free what? So if people don't know the truth, then that's why they're in bondage. And let's take the high, this high standard off people. Romans 8 and 8 says, those who are still under the law, they can't please God no way. So if you see them cutting up, well, they're unsaved. They're not under grace. They're still under the law of sin and death. Until we take them grace, then you'll see change. You'll see behavior. But if they acting like sinners do, then they, they acting like a devil because the devil, they daddy. He was my daddy for 26 years. So Jesus said, get me. Snatched me out of his arm and adopted me. Woo! Amen. Hallelujah. We're going to carry this gospel, y'all. Huh? All right. Now let us pray. Let us pray. Let us pray. And worship team, you can come up to Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your saving power. We thank you for grace. We thank you for healing. We thank you for vision. We thank you for safety. We thank you for unconditional love. We thank you for giving us peace. We thank you for giving us hope. We thank you for giving us family, the gift of family. We thank you, God. We thank you for giving us your word that strengthens us and fills us up every day that we choose to eat off it. Because you told us in your word, we cannot live our bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of your mouth. So, Father, I pray for this church and the mission that you have for this church. I thank you for the way you're using this church. I pray that their desires to be used on a higher level will increase and that they will obey and continue to just spread your gospel. I pray, Lord God, for every person in this building today that don't know you. I pray in the name of Jesus that they would yield themselves, yield their heart, Yield that man to you. You promised in your word that your arms are wide open. There's nothing you have to do but just come to you. So I pray right now in the name of Jesus, those who are trapped in sin will be set free today by your word and by your blood. God, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for this church again and what you're doing in it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I would like to, with pastor permission, somebody probably invited you here. You probably came for numerous reasons. Like, I came to church, but I didn't come to run into Jesus but God, God is okay with that.
But since you're here, and you've heard the gospel message, I beg you to handle your business with God today. His grace is sufficient for anyone who believes in him and trusts in him and repents of their sin. Repent simply means that I was living this way, I'm, finna, I'm going this way with the help of Jesus. So if you don't know Jesus on a personal level, I'm talking about like hear his voice sometimes. I ain't talking about like audibly. Sometimes he might do that too, I don't know. But he said, my sheep know my voice. My sheep hear my voice. If you don't know the Lord Jesus today, I invite you to open your hearts and let the Lord in. We want to pray with you. You want to come down. Even if you're already saved and you're feeling convicted that you haven't been sharing the gospel, you haven't been engaging people outside of my culture, outside of my context, and I know this person, or I've been putting my mouth on people who don't know no better and then expecting them to live like I live, even though I know Jesus. Even if that's something you need to repent for, the altar is open. You guys would give Pastor Dwayne a hand. I love to see life change. A life being transformed by the power of God. I love to see someone who is willing to say, God, here I am, use me. For your purposes and for your kingdom. It's not about gaining what the world has but it's about gaining what God has for us. And how powerful to see a man's heart changed by the power of the gospel. And see, what I feel like too often what we do as a church and as Christians is we complain about our community, but we don't do anything. And he's right. We do, we do things here at Journey Church. We don't do enough. There's way more that we could do. There's way more people that could go out and make an impact. Way more people that could go out and present the gospel. Way more people that can go out and share the hope of the world with those who have no hope. Someone we could feed. Someone we could reach out to. And too often I hear Christians say, well, I just don't know how to share the gospel. Well, then learn how to share the gospel. Quit making excuses and say, you know what? It's time for me to learn. It's time for me to get involved. It's time for me to engage my community. And too often what we do is we gather in our holy huddles and we worship and we hear a great message and we walk out of here. We don't change anything. I'm just saying we as a church have got to change. We as believers have got to be willing to say, God, use me. God, help us to lean into the power of the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit lead me to the people that I can share the gospel with. That I can literally share with them what you have done in my life. Not just go to work, do a job, come home. I believe and I, I pray this. I was praying this earlier. That we've got teachers that will go and they will teach in the power of the Holy Spirit at school. We've got people that will go and work as a business owner, whatever it might be, in the power of the Holy Spirit, but as a light in a dark world. That we would go and share the gospel, not just do church and just kind of do our thing and kind of go through the motions, but we would be, as Pastor said, that we would be dynamite. We would be powerful. We would be literally knocking down the walls of darkness in our community. And not just a church that does church, but a church that impacts the community. And what if this many people left this place today to go and make that kind of difference in the lives of people? Not in your strength, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. What could happen? 
what could happen? I can tell you what would happen. It would change our community. It would change the very city that we live in. It would change the very state that we live in because it would be revival because it's not happening anywhere. But what if we said we want it to happen here? We want it to happen here. We want to be a church that is a light to our community and a church that engages our community. And what could happen? Man, it would turn our communities upside down. And I'm telling you, God wants to use you. You might be thinking, well, God must be speaking to somebody else in here. No, God wants to use every one of us. Every one of us. Because there's somebody that you know that I don't know. But God wants to use every one of us to touch someone, to share with someone, and to see their life change. And I would just say this to some of you. There may be some of you that are in bondage. God wants you set free. And God wants you to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. He wants you to walk in freedom. He wants you to walk in truth. Not just do the church thing. But to experience the power of a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. I believe there's somebody in this room today that maybe for the first time you've heard the gospel clearly enough that you go, you know what, it's for me. And you put your faith in Christ. That's the only way we're saved, by our faith in Christ. It is not our works. It is our faith in Him and Him alone and what Christ has done. And so maybe that's you today. You put your faith in Christ. We want to walk with you. And we want to teach you everything that we've been taught. And we want to equip you to do the works of ministry. That's what the church is supposed to do. We would love for you to be a part of that. In just a minute, we're going to take up our offering. One of the things that we do through our offering is we invest in men like this. We, we invest in the ministries that are making a difference. We invest in those who are, who are knocking back darkness. And I love to be a part of that. And I hope for you, man, whenever you give, you don't give begrudgingly, but you get excited about being able to give to something that makes a difference. And every time we take up tithes and offerings here, I hope you guys understand, it is for the message of the gospel to go forward. Whether it's here in this facility, whether it's here in this community, or whether it's somewhere across the oceans. You know, one of the things that we do through our big give offering, this year we're going to be able to help support uh, this family by helping with their, with their, uh, with their uh, salary. Because, you know, a lot of people don't realize, like he was talking about Romaine noodles and stuff, whenever you become a church planner, there's not money. Somebody saying, hey, listen, we'll pay for you to do this. You know, like he said, you, you've got to go out and raise support. And so our church, through the Big Give, will be able to help be a part of sponsoring their salary this year and helping them do what God has called them to do. What an awesome privilege to be able, for us to be a part of that, man. I'm thankful for that. But it's because of a church that gives. And I pray that our church will always be a generous church and a giving church and a faithful to give church. And so this time, our, our, our usher is going to come forward. We're going to take up our offering. We're going to pray for God to bless it. And man, just that He would do great and mighty things through whatever God puts on your heart to give today. You know, you think if we would invest as much in the kingdom as we invest in, in comforts and in vacations and in toys and in houses and all these things, what if we would invest as much in the kingdom? as we invest in stuff that will be literally rust and just fall away and rot? What if we invest in something that would last forever? You know, what, what, what kind of joy could we draw out of that? Let's ask God to bless Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for Pastor Dwayne. I, pr- I thank you for his wife, Leslie. God, I thank you for what you're doing through their family. And God, I thank you for the call on his life. I thank you for the transformation. God, true life change. Through, true tr- transformation. And God, we know that only the gospel can do that. So God, I pray for our church. I pray for us today. God, that you would move in us. That you would tug at our heart. You would draw us closer. You would breathe that Holy Spirit power into us. And God, that we would walk out of here not the same today. 
God, use us as your vessels. God, use us as your church. God, use us for your purposes and for your kingdom. God, I pray that for some little boy out there, some little girl, God, that we would care enough to be the hands and feet of Christ, to go after them, to feed them, to share with them the good news. God, use us as your body. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.